0: John chapter 1, verse 37, 38, and 39. I know that if we were gathered together at at the church, we would all be standing for the reading of the word. If you're not already doing so, why don't we do that just in the keeping of tradition and maybe trying to keep some kind of continuity with what we would normally do. Let's stand for the reading of the word. John chapter 1 and verse 37. The Bible says, and the two disciples heard Jesus, or excuse me, heard John the Baptist speak. Uh, that's what is being referred to as him. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto, unto them, what seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, come and see, come and see. I feel led of the Lord to preach to you today on this thought, what do you want? What do you want? Before we're seated again, why don't you go ahead and pray with me? Let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts in a very clear way today. Father, we love you and we thank you so much. I invite you, Lord, right now, to lead me, Lord, by your spirit, to speak your word and not my own. I pray, O Lord, that I'll be led of the Holy Ghost, that I will walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Lord, let your word come to life today. Let everyone, Lord, that is listening to this message today, let your word penetrate their heart, speak to their soul, and draw them by your spirit into your marvelous light. We love you and thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. We give you the praise and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. <laughs> what do you want? You know, last Sunday, uh, Easter Sunday, my family and I were able to host an Easter Sunday worship service that I will not soon forget. I will say that we have a bit of a Perhaps a unique situation that is not common to all. For the past 13 years, we have lived in the same house that is located on a dead-end street, off of a dead-end street, Our kids have grown up with five other kids in the neighborhood that have all lived here as long as we have, and they have seen each other grow up, and every year, just to kind of describe to you the uniqueness of our situation, every year our neighborhood gathers together for a 4th of July potluck and parade, that's right, a parade. All of the kids, they decorate their bicycles or tricycles, whatever it has been through the years, their scooters, and they come down the street, we all cheer for them, and there's a potluck meal. there's a dessert contest to see who made the best dessert. We even have a neighborhood mayor. And uh, my wife is in a text group with several of our neighbors, And since our shelter in place order, my wife has mentioned the idea to our neighbors of us possibly hosting a church service in our front yard. And a few of them had expressed interest. And over and over again throughout this time, the weather has not exactly cooperated. And it actually looked like it wasn't going to cooperate last Sunday. Uh, But as my daughter, if she was with us today, she would remind you she prayed. In fact, it was last Sunday morning at about 7.30 a.m. that my daughter comes out of her bedroom. She is a bit distraught. She is upset. Uh, She looked outside. The weather looked gloomy. It looked like it might rain. Um, And she, I heard her march into the kitchen and she said, Mom, she said, I prayed that it would not rain. I prayed, why is it going to rain? And of course, lo and behold, by 1030, uh, the clouds had dispersed, the sun had begun to shine, and the weather was just perfect. And that uh, last Sunday, out on our front lawn, uh, we sang songs, a brief message was preached, even tears were shed, and Jesus was magnified. And we are truly so, very grateful that we have had the opportunity to worship Jesus and invite God's presence so openly with our neighbors. And uh, we're looking forward to what that's going to bring and uh, just the relationships that are going to deepen that we have with our neighbors. And there was something to be said about how refreshing it was for my soul. to, to be able to do something like that, where we were able to turn our focus from inward to outward. It was so refreshing to be able to connect with people besides the ones living under my roof and also openly connect with our risen savior in this way. Now, speaking of connecting and lifting up the name of Jesus, John the Baptist, John the Baptist, this wild Haired character that we see briefly in the Gospels. He was publicly announcing Jesus to be the Son of God, the one who will baptize with the Holy Ghost, and the one who is far greater than himself. To he, he, he declared Jesus to be the Lamb of God, which would bear the sin of the world. And he points those who followed him to Jesus, to follow after Jesus. And he would say words like are found in John chapter 3, verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. What John the Baptist was saying was that Jesus must become greater and greater, and he must become less and less. There were two students that followed the teachings of John the Baptist, that heard what John had said, and they began to follow Jesus. And uh, Jesus, perhaps hearing their footsteps behind him, he noticed them and he turned, the Bible says, and he asked these two men, What seek ye? What are you looking for? Or... What do you want? Now, what a question, what a common question. What do you want? The power and the potential of this question varies greatly depending on who is doing the asking and how it is being asked. Whether it is being asked by a poor man or the President of the United States. Whether said with a tone of annoyance in this rude gesture, what do you want? Or a genuine invitation to discover real resources now being made available, what do you want? What do you want? It matters who says it and how it is being said. I would like to make you think of three individuals that may ask this question, Satan, scholars, and a savior. If this question, what do you want, is asked by Satan, listen, you better beware. Because if it comes from Satan, it comes in a deceitful manner that is bent on our destruction. This is how the question was presented to Jesus when Satan would take him upon a high mountain and show him the glories of the earth in a flash of time and tell him that if he would bow and worship before him that Satan would give to Jesus all the glories of the world. This is how King Ahab would ask of Naboth, his vineyard, when King Ahab, that wicked king married to that Jezebel, we find he lusted or desired for the vineyard that belonged to Naboth. And he said, listen, I'll give you whatever you want. And mind you that when you are asked this question by your adversary, what do you want? It is asked with deceit, with deception, bent on your destruction. Or maybe This question is asked by teachers, scholars. It's said in a philosophical way that motivates or provokes thought, that makes you go, hmm. (laughs) It's, It's similar to the writing style of Solomon in Ecclesiastes and even portions of Proverbs that kind of provokes us to think what do we want? What do we want out of life? What, what is life? What is the purpose of life? What is the meaning of life? What am I wanting? Now, these two individuals that may ask this question, whether Satan or scholars, they pale in comparison when they are when the same question is spoken by our Savior, it is like no other. It is pressing us to search the soul and consider eternity. Jesus asked these two men, What seek ye? What are you searching for? Now listen, each of us that are tuning in to this message today, every one of us, we are giving our time. We are giving our energy, our strength, our resources in search of, in hope of, in desire to obtain something. Every second that we live, every every investment that we make of our life, it is being deposited somewhere in hopes of some sort of return. Let me ask you a question. If you were to graph, If you were to graph the resources of your life from this past week and how they were spent or deposited, let me ask you, what story would this graph or these findings tell us? Your time, your abilities, your treasure, your money, your words, your thoughts, what you did. If you would chart all of these things and how they were spent or used, what story is it telling? How are we investing? What are we looking for? What are we investing in? What are we in hope of? Hey, Jesus is speaking to us today and he is asking you and I, what are you looking for? What do you want? The response of these two disciples of John, but now following Jesus, the response from these two, when Jesus asked, what seek ye? This was their reply. Where dwellest thou? Where do you live, Jesus? Where are you staying at? What is your address? I hope some young people are tuning into this message right now. Let me let me give you a little history. In a time long before now, where uh, long before every young person had uh, a personal phone and really even before that, before the advent of the, the telephone, if a young adult wanted to initiate a relationship with another, the address, the home address, not the email address, the home address was an essential ingredient to the recipe of romance. Back in the day, people used to write letters to each other. That's right, pen and paper letters. Some of you probably remember you know, the, the type, the type that you would write very carefully and maybe even rewrite. And if you had to scratch out a word, you would wad up the paper and throw it away and start all over again. And when you finally got it just right, you would fold it and crease it just perfectly. And you'd put it in the envelope, maybe with a little spray of cologne or perfume and you would seal it and maybe even put it to your mouth and kiss it. It reminds me of when my daughter was enclosing an envelope the other day and she showed me how to properly do it. Well, I said that's not how you do it. You have to lick the seal. She's like, "I am not and I'm never going to lick that." Well, back in the day, that was that was how you corresponded with someone that you were interested in. Well, listen, when the disciples of John were asked by Jesus, "What are you looking for? What seek ye?" They wanted to know Jesus's address. They wanted to know where he was staying at. Where was he living? These men wanted to know where Jesus stayed at. Why? Because wherever Jesus was staying at, that's where they wanted to be. It didn't matter where it was. It was wherever Jesus was is where they wanted to be. Has anybody ever felt that way? Doesn't matter where you are, Lord, I want to be where you are. And then comes the reply from Jesus. So again, Jesus says, "What are you looking for, boys?" And and these two men looked at Jesus and they wanted to know, "Where do you live at?" And Jesus replies to their request, "Come and see." We begin with a common question that came from an uncommon man. Now we have an exceptional invitation that is offered to two ordinary men. Can you relate to how these two average men must have felt when they were extended such an awesome invitation by the Savior? Come, and see when the gospel was preached to you for the first time. Do you remember what that felt like? When you were in the presence of the Lord and His Spirit moved upon you, do you remember what that felt like? When you heard that there could be forgiveness for your soul, no matter how ugly the stain of sin was on your life, do you remember what that invitation felt like? The thought that a perfect God who would come and die as the sinless Savior would love an imperfect sinner like me. Oh, what an invitation. Come and see, Jesus said to these men. It reminds me of a similar phrase found in the book of Psalms, Psalms 34 verse 8. God says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord. Listen, if you feel far from God, I'm speaking to somebody right now. I know that I'm talking to somebody that feels far from God, like God is a million miles away from you. Listen. I promise you this, it is not because God does not want to be close to you. If you feel distant from God or God is distant from you, it is not God's fault. He invites us like he did to these two men, come and see, or like the psalmist says, oh, taste and see. Acts chapter 17, verse 27 records the apostle Paul saying these words, you should seek the Lord. If haply you might feel after him and find him because he's not far from any one of us. Did you hear that today? God is not Far from you. James chapter 4, verse 8, that great elder, the Apostle James, said, Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. God is close to us, my friend. If you are feeling like God is far from you, it is not because God does not want to be close to you. As my wife said to us in her message this past Thursday night, no sports. No school, no concerts, no restaurants, no theaters, no casinos, no gatherings to go to, no place to go to but the grocery store and the place we live. What will you do with the silence? What will you do as the world grows quiet and you are left to your thoughts and to the Lord? Who will we blame if our homes are less holy today than they were yesterday? Listen, who will we blame if we are further from God today than we were yesterday? Or let me go ahead and put it a little bit further out. If we come out of this shelter-in-place order, if we come out of this global pandemic and we begin to go back to life as normal, how will you come out of this time? How have you invested these hours and this time? Listen, we cannot blame anybody else but ourselves. We can't blame God if we feel like he's further from us than he's been before. So my question is this, where is Jesus? I believe that you're watching this video. I believe that you are worshiping with us today because you want to be close to God and you want God to be close to you. So the question stands, where can we find Jesus? Where is Jesus? Where does the Savior stay at these days? This question is similar to the one that was posed by Mary and Joseph when they were caring for Jesus when he was just 12 years old and they journeyed down to Jerusalem from Nazareth for the Feast of Passover. And they were now making their journey back home with this great caravan of family and friends. And supposing that Jesus was among their kinsfolk, they journeyed and they got a day and a half in before they reached. Realized Jesus was not among the family and friends. Jesus was not in the caravan headed home. And so they had to ask the question where is jesus and of course we find that they discovered jesus to be in the temple there with the doctors and the religious leaders asking them questions and they were astounded by the question this questions these young this young boy was asking let me tell you where they found him they found him in the place where the word was taught And the worship was exalting the king. That's exactly where you'll find Jesus today. When you open up the pages of this book and when you begin to worship the Lord, you'll find him there. Where is Jesus? Now listen, I know that the world is asking this question, but they ask it in a little different tone. They ask it in disdain and disgust. But nonetheless, the atheists and the agnostics in a postmodern culture where experience is king and truth is relative, they will ask questions like this. If there's a loving almighty God, then where is he? While families are being torn apart, child abuse goes unchecked, sexual predators go unpunished thousands die in natural disasters global pandemics uh terrorize the planet plagues of locusts devour entire crops and the list will go on and on and they'll ask where is god in all of this but let me tell you my friend don't you dare allow yourself to be backed into a corner and made to feel inadequate to answer this question today think about this nobody is igno Nobody is denying the existence of dentists, although there are people with rotting teeth. Nobody is denying the existence of fitness centers, yet there are people that remain unhealthy. Nobody is denying the existence of modern medical birth centers, although the lives of unborn infants are being aborted every single day. Today, Instead of allowing the world and the God of this world in a ploy to cast doubt into the mind of a believer, I would invite you to own the rights to this simple yet powerful question. Let's ask it of ourselves. Where is Jesus? Again, this is similar to what the disciples of John asked, where dwellest thou? Where do you live? Let me tell you, church family, people in this hour, people are looking for Jesus. Some, they don't even know what they're looking for. But church family, be aware that in these times, people have become more aware of a deep and inner need that exists in each and every living soul walking on this earth with us. And Jesus told us plainly where he lives at. As I close this message, I read from Luke chapter 19, verse 15. 45 and 46. And he went into the temple and began to cast them out that sold therein and them that bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house is the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. Jesus said that his house where he lives, where he dwells, is a house built of prayer. Jesus resides where people. Pray, if my people, God said, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, oh, that he will meet us, that he will heal our land, our God. Listen, he's on the prowl today. John chapter four, verse 23 and 24, it says, the hour comes and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We have been asked today in this message what do you want? What are you looking for? And it is a good question to ask and to be asked. What are we looking for in our lives? What are we putting our investments into? What are we in hopes to gain in our daily lives? But maybe we would do even better to ask this question. God, what are you looking for? God, what are you seeking for? What are you in search of? God, what do you Want. Isn't that what we discover in John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24? That God is looking for worshipers, that Jesus said that his house shall be a house of prayer. Listen, if you want to feel closer to God, if you want the presence of God to rush into your home, if you are wanting to feel the stirring of the Spirit of God in your life, today. Listen, he's not far from you, but the answer to feeling more of God is to discover and to begin to utilize and have in your life the very thing that God is looking for. If you're looking for God, then begin to pull out the things that God is looking for. God is looking for people that will call on his name. God is looking for people that will humble themselves in prayer. God is looking for people that will lift up their voice in praise God is looking for a people that will unashamedly worship his name listen lift up your voice even now even today and begin to worship why because God that's what he's looking for he's looking for worshipers he's looking for people that will bless his name today Today, if you will allow him, God would love to move in a deep way in your home and in your heart. The promises that are available to us through the word of God, they are not limited by by the next time that we could gather together in one place. But you and I today have access right now where we are to the promises of God. Reach with faith. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sins is available right now. If you need to repent of your sins, I encourage you, don't don't wait till tomorrow. Why don't you find a place where you could kneel down today, where you could bow your head today and begin to call upon the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Healing for your body and for your mind is available right now. If you need healing in your body, if you need healing in your mind, healing is available right now where you are. Oh, I would love for us to be able to be gathered together right now in one place. And I do believe what the book says that we shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Oh, but I also believe that you could, with your own voice, begin to quote the word of God and say, By his stripes, I am. Healed. that in the name of the Lord and by faith in that name, I am healed in my body. I am healed in my mind. Listen, salvation for your soul is available right where you're at today. The gift of the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the utterance is available today. A renewing of the Spirit of God is available today for your life. I'm reminded of when our dear brother Andy Cheek received the gift of the Holy Ghost for the first time. It was in his living room and perhaps in your living room today you could receive the infilling of his spirit or a renewing in the spirit. I believe that there's some family members right now, some fathers or some mothers perhaps that could begin to lay hands on their children's head. I know that oftentimes when we've gathered together, you've perhaps just waited for pastor or one of the minister to lay hands on your children, on your teenagers, or on your spouse and pray for them. But now in this unusual season, and though it may feel awkward at first, I would encourage you to begin to pray and begin to take some spiritual authority in your home over those things that are those people that live with you to lay hands on them and to begin to pray. That's it, I'm gonna release you now. But I encourage you, if you could, turn on some music or maybe without music, just begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Invite the presence of God in your home. What are you looking for today? What are you spending your time and your money and your energy on? Why don't you spend it on looking for Jesus? Why don't you take time to call upon the name of the Lord? And why don't you take time to give him what he is longing for from your life? life. We love you. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.